Greetings, everybody. This is David Avocado Wolf, and I'm going to be joined by a very special friend here in a moment. We are gearing up for the Women's Wellness Conference. That's coming up soon. It's Friday, October 9th to Sunday, October 11th, 2015, at the Orange County Hilton in Costa Mesa, California. That's right near John Wayne Airport and just about an hour from Los Angeles International Airport, or LAX. We've got an incredible lineup this year, a lot of incredible health visionaries for the Women's Wellness Conference. Carolyn Meese will be with us, Vanny Hari, the Food Babe, Robin O'Brien, Nadine Artemis, my dentist, Dr. David Villarreal, will be joining us, and our very special guest right now, Dr. Sarah Gottfried. She's a New York Times best-selling author of The Hormone Cure and The Hormone Reset Diet. She graduated from Harvard Medical School and MIT, so she's got a brain on her shoulders. She completed her residency at the University of California in San Francisco, and she's a board-certified gynecologist who teaches natural hormone balancing in her online programs and in her books, and she has a very extensive area of knowledge here, so we're going to get into that with her. Welcome, Dr. Sarah Gottfried. How are you and the family doing? We are so good. So happy to be on the line with you, David. How are you? I'm literally having the best day ever planting. Today we're going to plant two cacao trees, an egg fruit, and two mountain apples. I love it. And I've been, I've been following your mangoes on Instagram. All right. We, we are having <laughs> one of the greatest mango seasons. It was a weird year. We had a very dry – I'm in Hawaii. We had a very dry winter and a very wet summer, which is great because being here in the summer could be very sweltering hot. But fortunately, we're having a kind of a cool summer, which is nice, and we don't have to run around watering our plants or anything. Nothing's, nothing's suffering. So we're actually planting more. That's awesome. I love it. So that's what we're doing over here. We're keeping our hormones well, Dr. Sarah, with um, chocolate over here. So we're going we're gonna to dig in to see if chocolate's okay and, and what you're doing with your books now. You've got several books out on the subject, and you've also been doing online programs. So let's just jump right into it. Let's get into what causes hormone imbalances in both men and women today. What do you believe are the top environmental factors that are imbalancing our hormones? Well, I, I feel like I should say that not enough chocolate may be one of the factors because chocolate <laughs> is very well proven to reset your hormones. Hooray for that. So, but in all seriousness, you know, I, I just got this poignant letter from a client who did one of my e-courses, and she, she told me that before she took my course, as a woman in her late 30s, married with two kids, she felt like she was going nuts. This woman had been insisting to her doctor that her insomnia and what she called brain overdrive was based in physiology, but they refused to listen to her. They dismissed it. They said, we think you have postpartum depression. You need to take these depression medications and these sleeping pills. She felt so strongly that her mood was a result of her hormones being out of balance. And I I feel like that's something that we need to talk about first and foremost, that hormone imbalance is so common especially in women because we're more vulnerable, but in the guys too. And I, I think it's, it's crucial that people realize there's a light at the end of this tunnel, you know, that you, there's so many different ways that we can fix your hormones. But to answer your question about, you know, what's making our hormones get out of whack, what are some of those environmental factors, you know how I love to go to the data. So can we talk about a couple of new studies? For sure. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, I pulled a bunch from this year. There's a study from March 
that was really interesting to me. And it described how endocrine-disrupting chemicals can harm your adrenal glands, especially early in life. And so we're talking about the kind of shampoo that your mother used, the kind of suntan lotion she put on her skin when she was pregnant with you. These early life epigenetic changes can leave a fingerprint on you that later can mess up your hormones. They can make your adrenals not as flexible, not as able to kind of roll with the punches. And that's what this woman who wrote the letter was basically talking about. Now, it can lead to other problems too. It can make you get fat. It can give you blood sugar problems, even when your food is dialed in, high blood pressure. And it can, you know, the thing that gets me alarmed is that it can affect the control system for your hormones the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal system so that you're moody or depressed or anxious or a stress case. So that was a really interesting new study from March. Another study that I think is especially relevant for women's wellness came out in January of 2015, and it showed that the amount of endocrine disruptor chemicals that you get exposed to is linked to an earlier age of menopause. Okay. So this is a really interesting one. It's It's it was performed by our government as part of the uh, National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey called NHANES. It ran from 1999 to 2008, 32,000 females, so this is a substantial study. And they found the 15 worst chemicals, including phthalates and DDE. DDE is that chemical that wiped out our bald eagle population here in the U.S. And Dave, I think you and I have talked about phthalates before. Last year, I talked about them at Women's Wellness and how they can poison women's eggs and lead to higher rates of miscarriage. So there's definitely a phthalate, a phthalate connection here with the, the ovaries. But here's the punchline. Women who had the highest exposure to endocrine-disrupting chemicals went through menopause four years earlier than women who had the minimal exposure. So, you know, there's lots of different ways that the environment can impact your hormones, including the way that you eat, move, think, and supplement. And I think these endocrine disruptors are really important to pay attention to as well. Let's, let's talk about the basics here when it comes to hormones, because a lot of us are kind of new to this conversation. And one of the things we've discovered is that if your hormones are off, as you were saying, everything else is going to suffer. And you could be doing all the right diet, all the right exercise, and nothing's going to change um, metabolically. That's kind, of the, that's kind of the point. That's why we go to hormones as one of the key indicators of health and longevity, one of the key catalysts, right? Because hormones are like a catalyst. They are a catalyst. I think that's a great way to look at it. You know, they're not the whole story. There's, there's, I want to I be careful not to be overly reductionistic about this, but hormones dictate what your body does with food. You, know, you can be eating the most amazing food in the world, but if your insulin is off, if your leptin is off and you're eating too much of it, you know, there's lots of ways that your hormones can cause problems and lead to this gap between what you're eating and what you're assimilating, what, you know, how that message is being decoded in your body. So yes, hormones I think are a really crucial part of the story. I think of them as the text messages in your body, and they control everything from your metabolism, how fast or slow you burn calories, to your mood, to um, what I like to think about as kind of the crosstalk between your brain chemicals, your neurotransmitters, and uh, there, it's basically a messaging system. I think of it as the, the neurohormonal dashboard. 
it's a really important part of having the best day ever and you know feeling as happy as you were designed to be. Real quick, let's talk about, um, you mentioned DDE and phthalates. Phthalates, that's like BPA, BPA. that's like plasticizers, right? Yeah, bisphenol A, these uh, phthalates and bisphenol A are plastics. Phthalates are also used as fragrances. So, uh, you know, the average woman puts about 515 synthetic chemicals on her skin every day, and often those skin lotions and suntan lotions that have fragrance contain phthalates. Bisphenol A, the main way that we get exposed to that nowadays is through receipts. So about 40% of retail receipts in the U.S. contain bisphenol A. Yeah, it's, all, it's like that plastic coating that's on receipt paper, like when you get your receipt at the store, right? Yeah, you should turn down that receipt. <laughs> Don't touch it. <laughs> There's it a reason why. Yeah, exactly. Get it emailed to you. That's a much better way to go. But bisphenol A is interesting. You know, it's one of those... Uh, kind of promiscuous endocrine disruptors because it's not just a xenoestrogen. It doesn't just screw up how estrogen is used in your body. It also is an androgen disruptor. So we find really high levels in women who can't get pregnant and have polycystic ovary syndrome. We see bisphenol A also disrupting the thyroid. So it's, you know, there's many of these endocrine disruptors that disrupt multiple hormone pathways and can lead to a lot of chaos and misfires, even when you feel like you've got your life pretty cleaned up. You, you, you said something that was really profound, 500 plus chemicals that we're putting on our skin. And I remember when I was writing the Longevity Now book, definitely putting phthalates and DDE or any of these kind of endocrine disruptors or fake estrogens or hormone um, disruptors on our skin is actually pro- possibly more dangerous than eating it right? Because at least if you eat it, you get a pass through the liver, but going directly through the skin, you don't. It goes right into the blood. Can you comment on that? Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think a lot of people have been careful about their food. You know, they eat organic. They are upgrading the quality of food that they're eating and don't realize that the majority of their exposure now is through their skin. So you're exactly right. I mean, the foods that you eat, you know, if I can tell you that 15, 20 years ago, I would eat out at a restaurant and I didn't pay attention to the kind of meat I was eating. And I'm sure I was eating a lot of grain-fed CAFO meat from concentrated animal feeding operations that was chock full of hormones that caused disruption in my body. Now, hopefully our listeners don't do that anymore. You don't eat uh, toxic meat. But that's an example of how eating hormones or getting exposed through your mouth then gets processed by the liver, you get this first pass effect where the liver filters your blood, pulls out some of those hormones, and then sends it to the fat where it gets stored. But your skin is one of the largest organs in your body, and it's a place where you get exposed to a lot of chemicals, such as the, the plastic on the receipts that contains bisphenol A. You know, Dave, last year when I saw you at Women's Wellness, I remember we talked about sensory acuity and developing that that sense of when you're getting exposed to something toxic. Maybe you smell a fragrance, an artificial fragrance, when you're at someone's house, or maybe you uh, haven't taken a look recently at your shampoo bottle and whether there's any sodium lauryl sulfate in it. We want you to develop that sensory acuity so that you are limiting your toxic exposure. Now, let's talk about, like, Another issue that comes up a lot, of course, there's toxic chemicals we're putting on our skin, perfumes, deodorants, all kinds of things like that. So, but what about clothing? 
the amount of pesticides and herbicides that's used in cotton, just in this country, seven sprays a season, that I was looking that up, and that was like something like 30-something percent of the pesticides in the clothing can be absorbed through the skin. That's another exposure area. You know, this is a really interesting area. You know, just as we've gotten the message that we need to eat organic food, I don't think we're wearing organic clothing, and that is on our skin all the time. I got really interested in this topic when I met a woman who has as her life mission to develop natural dyes and to wear clothes that are within 150 miles of where she lives, you know, fibers that are raised nearby, so that she's reducing carbon footprint and also reducing the environmental exposures that we have. So you're exactly right. I mean, if you look at a pair of jeans, for instance, the average woman in the U.S. has about seven pairs of jeans in her closet. The amount of pesticides that that is used to make a single pair of jeans is just astronomical. I can't remember the number off the top of my head, but it's like a few pounds of pesticides. And so I agree with you that it is a, a key exposure and one that we know very little about. We know very little of the science. We do know that if you look at some of the places that produce genes, like there's one location in China that makes something like 50% of the, the genes used worldwide, if you take an aerial view of that factory, it's on, a, it's on a place called the Pearl River, which is kind of ironic. You can see this toxic black sludge surrounding the factory from all the heavy metals, cobalt, and other things, as well as just the load, the agricultural load of pesticides and fungicides, et cetera. So I do think that that is a key area. So wear organic. I think that's the way to go. All right, cool. That's, I, I'm doing that actually right now. I love to wear organic clothing. Let's talk about resetting our hormones, your basic protocol, and the stuff you're going to be talking about at Women's Wellness. What, what are, give us a little bit of a sneak peek as to some of the key things that we need to do to reset our hormones and get back to hormonal health. Um, you know, the birthright that we, that we really have of being healthy and happy late into our lives, 60, 70, and beyond. Yeah, well, I've been taking care of patients for 25 years now, and as I've gotten older, I feel like the complexity of resetting your hormones has actually gotten simpler, at least in my mind. So I hope to be able to share that. And I, I think, you know, certainly there's some people who have a broken metabolism or have some pretty rough, deep-set hormonal issues that need more than a quick fix. But what's so exciting to me is that you have the tools that you need right now to reset your hormones. And I, I think that's so empowering. So let me give you a couple of examples here. In my family, pretty much every woman has genes that make them fat, diabetic, and stressed out. And I know this because no, I've tested no, pretty much No, everyone. when you're saying that, you're not talking about the genes made in the factory in China. You're talking about the genetic <laughs> code. <laughs> now we're talking about DNA. Yeah. We're talking about fitting into those genes that are made in China or, you okay. know, fitting into the organic genes. So... What's happened in my family is that almost every woman has had difficulty getting pregnant. They have either the lean or slightly overweight version of polycystic ovarian syndrome, which is the number one reason for infertility in the U.S. And so they end up getting prescribed this medication called metformin. And that's a chemical that makes you more sensitive to the hormone insulin. I'm the only person who didn't have to take metformin. And I, I want to tell you that there's this knee-jerk response in conventional medicine where you see someone who can't get pregnant, when you see someone who's got blood sugar problems, 
maybe some issues with testosterone, and you just automatically prescribe metformin. And there are much better ways to do it. One of the best ways to reset your insulin, which is what I talk about in Chapter 4 of my new book, is to cut out sugar and artificial sweeteners. Now, that includes alcohol. You have to cut it out for 21 days, which is also an important diagnostic test. And I, I think it's crucial to then track your fasting blood sugar and keep it in this very tight range, an optimal range, which is 70 to 85 milligrams per deciliter. And you can even go look at a recent lab test that you've had done with your doctor and see where you were. If you were above 85, there's a good chance you have a problem with insulin. You have insulin resistance. And if those things don't, don't fix your insulin, you can get additional help from a plant medicine like berberine. So berberine, it, it, that's interesting on that particular compound because that's found in a lot of berries. And it's found in actually a lot of different plants. Like, for example, I'm thinking... I've seen that in I've seen that ingredient in different it's because actually a yellow pigment if I recall and it's in many berries but it's also found in clover as well. You're exactly right. I mean it's a really interesting herb that's been used for thousands of years. It's been used in China and also in Ayurvedic medicine and it's it's very powerful. Like we're just uncovering kind of the molecular reasons why it helps you reset your blood sugar. But it's been compared, here's another cool study that came out just a few years ago, it's compared head-to-head in people with polycystic ovarian syndrome, compared head-to-head to metformin, and it was actually better than metformin. So that's what I think is really exciting. When plant medicine trumps conventional medicine in terms of helping people reset their hormones. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm always interested in that as well. And it seems like that's kind of where we're going. It's like everybody realizes, hey, you know, I want to get these things naturally. I want to get those things in my diet for my food. That, you know, that's, that's kind of what our, our listeners right now are thinking. You know, that's like, okay, what do I need to eat now that really helps me? And, and it, like one of the things, I remember berberine is also, you know, what's really, what's really prevalent and it's one of the highest sources is golden seal. That's another totally. one, and, and it's a, I'm pretty sure, if I recall, berberine is a yellow pigment. You know, this is that thing about the pigments, the colors are at, of these compounds are actually, you know, that indicates, like, hey, this is something you need to be looking at. It's an actual color. Yeah, you know, they have, you know, the colors have, they, they indicate, like, for example, the yellow color indicates that it's immunological. It indicates that it's happy, that it's something that can influence your mood. For sure, and it's it's got... Um it's got antimicrobial activity, which ties in with what you're saying about the immune system. Berberine is, I think, just one of the most amazing supplements out there. And I, I agree with you that it's, it's great to get it from food. When you take it as a supplement, you have to be a little bit careful. You can't take it if you're trying to get pregnant or if you are pregnant. And you also don't want to take it for more than eight weeks. And I'll talk more about that at Women's Wellness. Okay, cool. Awesome. What else? Well, tell us what else is going on. I mean, you do so many programs. You've got so many interesting things happening on the hormone front. Give us a little bit of the background and basics because, you know, we hear so much about testosterone and estrogens and estradiol and estrone and DHEA and all that. Can you kind of give us like a, a big picture of all that stuff and, and put it into a, like a format where we can go, okay, now I kind of see the overall picture of all this? When I was first looking at this, I thought it was pretty complicated. And as I learned the biochemistry, I found it kind of overwhelming. But the way to, to really get the big picture, to get the you know 30,000-foot view, 
is really to go back to your stress response. Like what kind of a person are you in response to the stressors of the day? Are you someone who is able to roll with the punches pretty well, or are you someone who gets hooked or gets, you know, uh, runs into trouble? And I say this because I have found in my own body, you know, you, you know my story, Dave, of like struggling quite a bit in my 30s with stress and PMS and um, low sex drive and other things like that. And, and part of my story here is that I fixed it for myself, and then I started to fix it with the people in my practice. And it's just, it's been, you know, just a really helpful strategy to help women get their hormones reset. And so I think the key is to go back to the control system. So rather than trying to tweak every little thing, like I've got to dial in my estrogen, I need my testosterone to estradiol ratio to be this, and I need my TSH to be this, and my T3 to be this, and my DHEA to be this. What I think is important is to go back to the control system. And the control system really starts with the stress response with what's known as the HPA, the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis. That's a little complicated, but if you focus on what is going on with the cortisol levels in your body, how is cortisol getting signaled, how is it talking to the relationship between estrogen and progesterone, how is it talking to your androgen system, your DHEA and your testosterone, that's a way of keeping it simpler and if you dial in your cortisol, it just helps improve all the other hormones. So it's like the simplest tweak to make, and it has the greatest payoff. It has the greatest downstream benefit in terms of fixing your other hormones. What about, let's talk about progesterone. This is something I'm always asked about, the conflict between, like my, my feeling is, is that somebody high up in the pharmaceutical ivory towers knows that progesterone is not a progestin but they deliberately confuse that issue. Um, I want to talk about that because progesterone is such a dominant female hormone. It's one of the things that makes a woman different from a man in the way, not just physically, but also like internally, what's going on the way the brain works. And it's, it's definitely one of my go-to choices in terms of understanding how the whole system works because progesterone is able to neutralize so many estrogens. It's like a 300 to 1. And it, progesterone is so protective, according to the research I've been doing, Give us a little bit of, of the skinny on progesterone. Yeah, progesterone is super interesting. I think of it as nature's Valium. It's the hormone that really soothes women. It soothes men too, but it's much more concentrated in women. And it's, it's interesting because it's gotten a lot of attention recently because of its effect on the brain. So you're, I think you were um, suggesting this, Dave. Progesterone itself has... Uh, it acts like a, a neurosteroid, and that's actually a positive thing. So it acts, it's like a balm for the brain. So if you have an inflamed brain, if you have a problem with your microbiome, if you're stressed out and you're anxious and you, it's really hard to soothe yourself, you probably need some progesterone. Now, we can do testing around that, too, to kind of see what do you need progesterone? If so, how much? Which type is better, topical versus uh, trochee versus oral? But I think it's a, a really crucial hormone. And it's kind of like a, it's a little bit in the shadows. You know, I, I feel like estrogen in some ways gets all the attention. Mm -hmm. you know, there's about 16 different estrogens that we pay attention to. And 
There's just one progesterone, which is the natural progesterone that you make. And progesterone balances a lot of those uh, 16 different estrogens. So one of the things we track if we're looking if someone has estrogen dominance, too much estrogen compared to progesterone, we look at that progesterone to estradiol ratio, which you just mentioned is 300. So you want 300 progesterone molecules to every estradiol molecule in the female body. Estradiol is the main reproductive uh, estrogen that women make. And elevated estradiol late in life can be a problem. Like let's say you're 63 and your estradiol is like where it was when you were 13. Isn't that, that's like a, that's like a tending reproductive cancer problem, isn't it? So when it comes to these different estrogens, there's some estrogens that are protective and there's some estrogens, I think your term for it is they do a backflip. They become dangerous and provocative in the female body. And estradiol is really good and healthy in the female body as long as you have the right amount before you go through menopause. After menopause, it can cause more problems because it can be converted into some of those, uh, it can do that backflip and be converted into some of the dangerous and provocative estrogens, like the catechol estrogens, which cause DNA damage, the forms of estrogen that are linked to an increased risk of breast cancer, for instance. Yeah, I'm thinking of, it's like 16-alpha-hydroxyestrone is one of those metabolites that is that's like an indicator of pending reproductive cancer that's a metabolite of estradiol. I think that was one of them that came up. And there's a number of those, aren't there? There's a number of those. There's um, the 2-hydroxyestrone. You can track your 2 to 16 ratio of the hydroxyestrones. And I think the key part here is that you want to make more of those protective estrogens. And another key part here that we're just beginning to understand is how much your gut flora plays a role in determining your estrogen levels. So if you have dysbiosis, if you've got too many of the bad bacteria in your gut compared to the good bacteria, you're going to make more of those dangerous and provocative estrogens like the 16-hydroxyestrone and less of the protective estrogens. So this is another part of what I think is really exciting about the next 10 to 20 years of medicine. We're learning more and more about the gut flora, the microbiota and their DNA, the microbiome, and how much they modulate your hormones. I would love to hear a lot about that at Women's Wellness. Are you going to be talking about that subject right there? That's a great subject. Absolutely. We'll be talking about the estrobilome, the subset of the microbiome that controls estrogen levels. And you can pretty much throw any hormone in there. You can talk about the, I'm going to make up some of these words, the testosterone. <laughs> we're, we're going to talk about all of those. <laughs> the estrobilome, the subset of the microbiome that affects or controls estrogen. That sounds like a, like a heavy metal band. It does sound like a heavy metal band, one I would definitely want to listen to. Okay. <laughs> all right. Nice. Me too. Um, for everybody who's listening, you're, you're listening to Dr. Sarah Gottfried. I'm David Avocado-Wolf. We are going to be together at the Women's Wellness Conference. That's coming up Friday, October 9th through Sunday, October 11th, 2015 at the Orange County Hilton in Costa Mesa, California. This is, this is our favorite venue, by the way. We have done at least a dozen events in this venue. We know this hotel really well. This is a hotel that orders organic food for our crew when, when we come in there. I mean, that's how amazing this hotel is. And we're going to have the full run of the place. So make sure if you're booking, check out all the details at www.womenswellnessconference.com. 
womenswellnessconference.com, and book early so you can get into that hotel and be part of what we're looking at, somewhere between 800 and 1,000 folks coming in from around the world to be at this event. Dr. Sarah, any, any parting words, any, any teases for the Women's Wellness Conference you got for us? Well, I think the last thing I want to mention today is that I realized after looking at, after studying hormones, eating, drinking, and sleeping them for the past 25 years, I've gotten really aware of how you can think your way into a hormone imbalance. Like I find that shocking. A lot of people know they'd benefit from, you know, meditating. There's so much science now showing how it grows your brain and makes you happy, but they don't consider the opposite, you know, about toxic thoughts and how the monkey mind run amok is maybe causing cortisol problems with stress hormones or a slow thyroid or a leaky gut or autoimmunity or estrogen dominance by blocking progesterone and just general hormonal chaos. So I think that's one piece I'd like to leave our listeners with, that just as you can think your way into a hormone imbalance, you can think your way into hormonal harmony. And I'm so excited to be talking about that at the Women's Wellness Conference. Great. I love that hormonal harmony. Everybody, this is uh, Dr. Sarah speaking to us, and she is she's just a wealth of knowledge and a great asset to health in America and in the world today. Her online courses are very well attended. She's very well loved. She's the author of The Hormone Cure and The Hormone Reset Diet. So you need to get those books so that she can educate you at home. I've got your books actually on my desktop right here. You sent me to them. You sent me them as as kind of pre-printed galley copies. So I get to I get to reference them on my computer, which is just wonderful. Make sure that you stay on top of the information. We live in a in a toxic world and folks like Dr. Sarah can guide us out. We're going to be focusing on this issue of hormones and many other issues, how we can stay thin, detoxify our bodies, slow down the aging process at the Women's Wellness Conference, www.womenswellnessconference.com. We will see you there October 9th through 11th, 2015, at the Orange County Hilton. I'm David Avocado Wolf, wishing you the best day ever. <laughs>